1: Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Worth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call, 513 575 9654. Perhaps you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, some type of employer sponsored plan, maybe even an NUA analysis. Here's the point. If you're no longer with the company, then as a rule, your money shouldn't be there either. So we can help you roll that out into a tax neutral IRA, take control of your money. Again, give us a call, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, share your thoughts to team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg?
1: Well, today we're going to discuss seven retirement risk and uh, the different types of risks that you and your money could face during retirement. So retirement, it can be challenging. Uh, you work a lifetime, now you've chosen to retire, and hopefully you'll live some kind of a, another lifetime, this one where you don't work and you get to do all the things you've you know, put off for this, this special time. But how prepared are you for it? Now, you have either crossed your T's and dotted your I's, or you've tried to dot some T's and cross your I's you get it across your eyes anyway. So comparing this, this, this whole career path of yours and the investments go with that to the next phase of retirement life and the investments that go with it. You know, there are some things that will always remain the same and obviously some things that should be and will be different. Now, how much, how much have you always handled your own investments? How much or to what degree of, um, of your money have you thought it's going to take to actually retire when you decide to retire did you go through those exercises or did you just kind of arrive at the date and you're going to jump in kind of like taking the nest tea plunge for those of you that remember that okay <laughs> i do i also remember hey Kool-Aid he comes bursting through the wall kind of a generational thing but um, there's at least at least 7 different risks that you could uh, face into retirement and And you don't need to worry about them if you're prepared. But many people do statistically, James. There's that word, statistics. The number one concern for retirees is running out of money. So you've accumulated money while you're working. How do you know how to invest it properly so it lasts a lifetime, your lifetime? And maybe your goal is for it to last well beyond yours into a legacy. And uh, other people you, you love and charities you care about. So today we're going to define, discuss several of the risks that we have time for, help you uh, develop a game plan to address each and every one of those.
0: Well, let's get to the thought-provoking questions that tie to today's show. So for starters, what's been the historical long-term trend or rates of inflation versus what are the more recent trends of inflation? And what does 2023 look like, comparatively speaking, to twenty one twenty two 22 and f- so forth and so on. How long should you plan on living in retirement? Well, how about this? How long do you plan on living? How, well, what age do you plan on retiring? What does that mean as far as the number of years or decades that might stretch through retirement? Gosh, to infinity and beyond, right? That's right,
1: Buzz. And uh, sounds like so far, inflation's on our radar and maybe longevity.
0: How about should we buy long-term care insurance? And that might be the I versus the we, the collective me, Long-term care insurance, what we mean by that is traditional long-term care insurance. Are there alternatives to consider aside from just, again, traditional long-term care insurance? How much might you spend during retirement on health care? And typically, what does it mean if you're entering into retirement healthy versus unhealthy as far as what those expenditures might look like? Can you invest in principal-protected products, here's that alliteration, and actually still make money? Seems like a trick question, right? How can you avoid or it may be control your emotional ties to your money and avoid making irrational decisions? How do you in other words mitigate the effects of your emotions on making those investment decisions? We try to buy low and sell high, right? Or are you just simply doing the opposite because you you're letting your emotions get the better of you? What is the the sequence of returns risk and how can it possibly or at least potentially be avoided? Or can it be avoided? What should a good retirement plan look like? So it starts with having a plan and then maybe then having a good financial plan. That also dovetails into retirement. Should I hire a certain type of financial advisor or advisory firm to help manage these different types of risks? Greg, any thoughts? Yeah, it's, I
1: mean, just kind of going down the list, looks like inflation, longevity, long-term care, health care in retirement, Uh, wondering if you can keep your money safe and make money too. And the answer to that is yes, on some part of your money, obviously. Emotional ties, always going to be a problem. The the fear and greed factor and the emotions of investing, um, you know, in the moment, news, noise of the day, things that affect the sequence of returns. Clearly a, a statement towards negative returns earlier in the process of your retirement can affect you long term, right? You just don't want the bad to happen early. So can you control it? No, but you can prepare for it. So being properly prepared because, you know, how can you avoid it? Again, you can't avoid it, but you can manage it by having some part of your money not go backwards. And a good retirement plan looks like something that includes preparation for all the risk factors we're going to discuss today and the need for your cash flow and proper proper ways to invest, uh, proper ways for near-term liquidity, mid-term and coverage of income and cash flow, and then long-term just growth to hedge inflation. And then a certain type of financial advisor—you bet you need one just like us. I hope you've arrived at that conclusion, but if you haven't, you eventually will. It's kind of like, um, oh, you know, the old commercial: "Call me, call me now or call me later." You need a holistic advisor. We're unique in this: that doing investments, insurance, estate planning, financial planning, social security maximization, pension maximization, uh, cash flow management, insurance—you know, insurance for the estate, insurance for on fully insured. Uh, investment accounts that keep you from going backwards. It can provide you guarantees of income for life, like a self-funded pension. There's just so much and uh, just an overall financial plan. That's comprehensive in nature. That's balanced to accomplish all the things that you need to do. And a certain type of financial advisor. Let me ask you this. Do you have a certain type of doctor? Did you, do you, will you? Um, that's kind of a, um, a past, present, future tense kind of teaser there. But uh, once upon a time, probably had a pediatrician, Right. And then you probably had a general practitioner. And then for some, you've gone on to need specialties, whether it's a high nose and throat, or maybe you've had, you know, some bouts of cancer or heart disease and things you're trying to manage that takes a specialist. Well, we're the specialist in this area of preparing for, um, becoming retired, staying retired, all of the above. And we hope to give us an opportunity to just show you what we have to offer. We will do a full analysis of all your investments, where you're at, where you want to where you want to be, a comprehensive plan, the, the analysis of what you have, share with you recommendations, won't hold anything back. You'll see the internal spreads, fees, margins, loads, and costs, the total cost of your current investing, how far it is on or off the mark of your goals, your actual goals and objectives, and prepare a plan that will provide for the cash flow you need, not just a few years in retirement, for the entire journey. And how long is that going to be? exactly we've already established that unless you know what we don't know you don't know how long you're going to need cash flow in retirement it's longevity unless you die on time and plan just right well we don't want to live on those terms right let us help you it's complimentary first appointment's all about you we have you back with the analysis all the recommendations and planning and you get to see everything full disclosure transparency you know the exact cost and um, you just decide you see a fit uh, right now, not right now, agree to disagree, whatever the case, no obligation, no cost. That's what we offer you and folks just like you every day. So give us a call at 513-575-9654, 575-9654, or send an email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. We will answer that and, uh, and just you know put it in writing because we all sleep. Sometimes we might forget things. So just send in your thoughts, send your questions, and come see us.
0: Well, and just to start off today's show, when we talk about the different types of risk, and seven different risks just means seven different categories of risk. As Greg kind of referenced before, there are more individual risks. It just means if you break them down into different categories, that's what we're referring to as far as the seven risks. Greg?
1: I wouldn't say they all stand alone like that, like topics, like you're saying. It's not like they all stand on their own legs in their own tennis shoes. They're all in some big bear hug of, of misadventure. And, kind of uh, like a spokes on a wheel. Exactly. They're part of the rim and we want to keep that wheel going round and round. So, and today, and, you know, talking about the retirement, some of the risk, we're not trying to scare you. Uh, we promise you that, but things change drastically when you leave the workforce and enter retirement. It's a different game. You've accumulated all your life, prepared, saved, paid your bills, paid your taxes, hopefully saved enough for this day. Now you take all this money you've You've saved, set aside, and prepared for, and a four hundred one k, and everyone waves goodbye to your last day at work, and you are now retired. How many times have you done it? This one time, right? Um, you know, you get it done right, you get it done, or you get it done wrong. You don't get do over. So uh, you'll have changes, routine, changes of expenditures and habits and patterns. And um, James one time said, "Retirement's like every day's a Saturday." So these are things we're going to skim across the the old stone across the farm pond and address one by one so you can be confident in retirement as we discuss the distinct retirement
0: risk you will face our phone number at the office 513-575-9654 call us if we can help but stay tuned you're listening to the sound money investment show with brown financial advisors here on 55 krc the talk station LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted.
1: Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Borton. We are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients, not companies. That's Main Street and not Wall Street. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, Brown email team at com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg?
1: So seven retirement risks, different types of risk that you and your money can face during retirement, and your entire household at that, and potential future legacy too. James, um, give us kind of a summary of what these are, and then jump into the first one.
0: Well, the They kind of go like this. Inflation, and these are not in any one particular order, just simply off the top. Inflation seems to be rearing its ugly head. Again, longevity risk, long-term care, I'd say long-term illness that might lead to a long-term care stay, healthcare costs, irrational investor behavior, losing money, quote-unquote, safely, and the sequence of returns risk. So, you know, starting off with inflation and Yes, it is the first one. It's also the most, I'd say, the uh, hidden aspect of what's the cost of money today versus you know what's your buying power for that same dollar next week, next year, five years from now. And yes, doing your, I'd, I'd say during your working life, there tends to be maybe a natural progression that sees usually raises, bonuses, in general, making more money as years go by. Some of that is also tied to inflation, by the way. And it does help to offset the impact of this. That means the, the loss of the purchasing power of your dollar is what inflation means. You know, I, I know there's two different ways of looking at inflation. It's like the, the chicken versus the egg, you know, the tail versus the dog. What causes what? Is inflation the cause or is it the effect? At any rate, we're just referring to what the government defines as inflation when it comes to how does this get measured?
1: So, James, it gives the economy fleas.
0: <laughs> That's a good one.
1: So the government, inflation,
0: what's the role?
1: Tell us in the effect of inflation on our listeners.
0: Well, the, the effect that we see a lot of times is that your dollar this year, let's just say it's only 5%, which is the trend that we're heading towards in 2023. So the last couple of years, we've seen higher uh, rates of inflation than what the historical averages are. Long-term historical, I'd say it's like 3%. But 2021, 2022, Now, the good news, if you want to call it good news, is that's increased things like the COLA or the cost of living adjustment on some of the different benefits. The most common example is on Social Security. Greg, and that segues next into talking about Social Security.
1: Yeah, with with Social Security, the official inflation rate in 2020, as James said, 1.3%, 2021 went up, and we know that Social Security tries to peg itself or associate itself with its increases with Um, inflation and being at, it settled at 5.9% triggered the largest social security cost of living adjustment since 1983. Remember that year That's year uh, we graduated high school back in 83. Anyway, that uh, 40 years ago, 40 years ago. And that was 7.4%. So in 2022, we saw a robust 8.7%, which triggered the largest social security cost of living adjustment since 1982, which in that year, we were dealing with um, 11.2% level of inflation. Now all that extra money from the three rounds of stimulus payments, plus the ongoing massive government spending has, well, you know, it's just created in all those years of cheap money just has now manifested quite a little avalanche of, um, of higher rates of interest. And that's been the inflation, Greg,
0: really, that's been the, the biggest impact or the shock to the system is, When you say, well, compared to what, compared to when? If we look back to the 1980s, the rates of inflation we have today are not nearly as high as they were back then. The interest rates, the inflation rates, but if we look recently, since the Federal Reserve back in 2008, 2009, had the zero interest rate policy that they implemented, then for almost 12, what, 13 years, we had practically nothing for interest rates, which meant practically nothing for people trying to save and effectively not take market risk they got paid nothing for those dollars and people who on the other hand were looking to borrow money also had to pay practically nothing for those dollars
1: yes you end up having a lot more market participation people seeking some type of return and when the latest pullback in the markets happened during 2022 in particular you saw more technically more wealth lost you know on on paper than we saw in t- 2008 but it doesn't feel the same, does it? You know, never, nothing's ever quite the same. But when we look at the environment around us now, well, inflation's cooled a little bit in this year-to-date, twenty twenty-three, and you know, last month, recent months, it uptick just a, a tiny bit. But it's associated to um, consumer sentiment, which has remained pretty stable and strong. You'll read a report here and there where it's cooling, but it's really still strong. How do we know? Because demand's still outpacing supply. Um, it was consumerism and and uh, purchases that drove inflation up somewhat higher last month. And that's that's the kind of inflation you want. When supply and demand's um, getting caught up and close and more equal, where demand slightly outpacing supply, then your supply chain management is working effectively. Then the demand being greater just means a happy consumer, a healthy consumer, still more jobs than people. A lot of good things going out there, but the current liquidity, let's say, I won't say crisis, but um, challenges in the banking system has also created kind of a self Pathetic, pathetic reality where people uh, distrust and they they limit their um, holdings in banks, and the banks start to feel that pressure. and And we all know, really, at the core of the banking situation, it's just one of those age old stories where they're holding bonds at uh, interest rates, where interest rates go up, bond values go down. If the banks can hold their portfolio of bonds to maturity, they'll get the yield on the portfolio. Things will be happy and good. But when they're forced to create liquidity and sell, they have to do mark-to-market. They have to actually realize the gain or loss. In this case, loss, and then once they convert that to money, the cash they now have on hand versus what the bonds should have matured to, is a different and lower number. Oftentimes, makes their threshold of their ratio of capitalization look a little thin, and in some cases too, uh, that they're illiquid or insolvent. So deemed by you know government standards and regulators. So this is what's happening out there, and, and a lot of it's just driven by momentum and the mindset of consumers. The banking system itself is not in poor condition, but isn't it something how the power of thinking, just like the power of fear and greed, you know, the, the emotional exuberance, the uh, the fear that enters, on the other hand, with investors and how they react, it's part of something we'll cover as a risk, obviously, but it shows you that risk can happen at the bank level, corporate level, and um, even at the, the level of nations. But with this inflation trending generally in the better direction, we're thinking four and a half percent by years in. We do see interest rates going up one or two more times and then leveling off, and then the Fed will see you know if it overshot or undershot. and going into next year at some point, probably see some rate decreases to stimulate and restimulate the economy where they've overcooled it. And at some point down the road, maybe two years out, maybe, just maybe, we will see a new normal about a zero effective interest rate, meaning inflation and the amount of interest cost are about the same. So let's say the Fed winds back to about 4.75 and inflation's running about four and a quarter or four and a half, let's say four and a half, then the real investment return on interest would be a quarter to a half a percent to the favor of the consumer. And rates will be fairly affordable for debt, uh, historically speaking, and interest rates at CDs will be you know, reasonable and things will normalize. But it'll be choppy between now and then. The bond market still has some intervals to go through. Commercial real estate has some headwinds to it. I mean, here's a thought for you. James, I saw something. Uh, it was about uh, New York City commercial real estate and some of their high-rise units. I mean, some of those big, tall buildings that you think about like a, like a Trump my own and so forth, that they're facing upwards of 20% empty space because the new normal of people working Uh, smaller work weeks or three days a week and a lot of remote working and all that. Well, imagine, look at it this way, not sporadically empty 20% from the first floor through the 50th floor. Let's just say the top 20 floors of a hundred story building are empty. That gives you a different perspective. And then we have these loans coming due with a lot of these commercial real estate who carry balloon balloon notes where they just renew, renew, renew. And for years they got in that habit, right? Because it was cheap interest. Why not just keep your money working when you pay so little and keep your money rolling? Well, some of those will come due in a new interest rate environment. That's going to cost more operating revenue. Look out for commercial real estate issues, bottom line, because when they go get new money, are the lenders going to be so psyched and ready to give money when 20% of the building is unoccupied? A lot going on out there, and it's going to create, again, lower net cash flow in the books of the people asking for the loan because they have less rental income coming in. Again, watch out for commercial real estate. Watch out for some of the REITs that exploit those holdings and positions, and um, it's all tied. It's all tied to the same thing. Interest rates going up rapidly, inflation. It's just all tied together. So when James was saying earlier, these just don't necessarily stand alone. They're kind of
0: connected. They are, and they can trickle down to you too. There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to The Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, The Talk Station.
1: Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Borth, and we are an independent registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients, not companies. And it really does all start with a plan. That means actually having a plan, knowing what you own and why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, even though we're now outside of the official tax season, it's still tax season. Social security maximization, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, and perhaps for some even an in-service rollover, all those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com, email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, y'all.
1: Well, continuing kind of like inflation and, you know, what's been adjusted in social security and why and the relationships there looking at ways that you can combat your investing style or combat that with your investing style to get some decency on safety and protection in exchange for some reasonable interest rates too. The banks are offering the greatest rates. But I can tell you this, that, um, CD type annuities, insurance company products fully insured by, you know, Hey, they're insurance companies, right? Um, and they have capital, behind these investments they're not like just tied to the fdic and funded by the treasury for shortages and all the stuff that goes with that complex system um there are rates gosh james we have like th- three-year opportunities for um five five and a half and and then um five-year terms
0: for five six five even five seven in some cases they kind of fluctuate a little bit back and forth right now the sweet spot's around three years but you can also find five-year rates that are equivalent to the three rates. That's, that's the ironic part of all this, is that the longer you go, the lower the interest rates. That's why maybe the time-segmented approach is an effective way of combating this. So if you look at how the interest rates tend to go or, or slope towards you know, maybe a higher rate in the two- to three-year range, they start plateauing at that point and start maybe trending downwards when you, once you get beyond five years.
1: Yeah. And in doing so, breaking up money in different iterations, you know, like three years, five years, even shorter term, uh, finding those safe money instruments that pay a good amount of interest, um, having other cash on hand. We have uh, accounts where somewhere between three and four percent A market strategy and a stable value approach to uh, keeping your money liquid so it doesn't have to sit dormant. I mean, we have other opportunities for people looking for some safety. We have a pessimist version and an optimist version of something called Buffered Index Portfolio. Uh, just fits nice in these segment time segmented investment uh, buckets. And give you an idea, one of them you, you get the lesser of the return of the S and P or the Dow over two years. So whatever that outcome is one version of this, the, uh, the optimist is an uncapped upside. So you get the upside, whatever the return is over that two year period. And on the downside, the buffer it'll absorb the first 15% of the downside. So if it's down, you know, the results negative 20, you're down uh, five, right? It absorbs 15 of the 20. And uniquely, it's a, it's a dual directional. You get to make money two ways. One is if it's a, a positive return. The other is if it's actually negative between zero and the buffer of, in this case, 15, like a negative 12, negative 14. Guess what? It becomes a positive 12, positive 14. Very unique. Now, if you're the pessimist, what well, was me and you're just not sure two years out what the world looks like, well, join the party. No one actually does know. But if you lean towards being a little more conservative, well, there's an, a variation of this that says you can get 209 Zero twenty point nine zero of the upside twenty percent almost twenty one percent over two years whatever the outcome is if it's up twenty one you get twenty point nine zero what if it's down negative result in this one it absorbs one hundred percent the downside so negative ten zero negative twenty zero positive fifteen is fifteen pretty cool stuff very boutique like things very unique and we offer
0: a lot of solutions in this area just just a thought on that one to kind of tie a bow between sometimes when people think about percentages versus dollars, it kind of goes like this. Let's just say you invest hundred thousand dollars into this particular product. And at the end of the term, after two years, the market goes up by 20%. Well, your cap is at 20.0, 20. 20.9. 20. So in other words, you would get all 20% of the upside. If you had started with the hundred thousand, you get 20%. Your ending value is $120,000. Now, to the downside, if the market were to go negative at the end of those two years, let's just say it lost 5, 10, 15, whatever the number is. Remember, you start with $100,000 in your portfolio. The market loses money. Your portfolio, in this case, absorbs the losses. That means you end your two-year investment. I know zero is your hero in this particular case. You still end with $100,000 in that example.
1: So a neat way to have some of your traditional investments working with risk and return And then some other components of time segment buckets that have these types of relationships. So really nice stuff. And then the old traditional, uh, put it in someplace for three years, get a specific rate of return and very competitive return to that. Now the rates change each month, full disclosure, but these are real rates right now. If you walked in and say, here it is. Well, let's look ahead a bit. Longevity risk. Okay. You're healthy when you enter retirement. How long should you plan on living? For the rest of your life, how long is that? Great question. There is the risk risk of running out of money before you run out of life. If you plan on retiring at 60, as an example, real possibility here that your retirement could last two or even three decades, 20 to even 30 years. You know, 30 years sounds like a long time, but at 60, that leaves you at 90. Do people reach 90? Yes, they do. Will more people over time reach 90? Man, James, I don't know. When I turn around and read the news, I I see all the time where, um, our longevity in America is declining. That men are almost six years, 5.6 years gapping women to the downside. And all post-COVID, who knows, the numbers are skewed. That happens with math. Anyway, should you go about your work in determining if you have enough money saved to finance 20 or 30 years? You bet. We need to make sure you have the cash flow whether you live 20 or you live 30. Okay. If you plan for 20 and live 21, you're going to have a really bad year, right? It's a scary thought. Don't let it scare you. There are methods to apply, but you can't use the same approach that you did in accumulation phase and distribution phase. It's a different phase. It requires different tools, different thinking, different approach, so you can have the outcome you want. If you don't want the outcome of just doing it the way you used to do it, it will not work. Uh, Several of these factors will sink your ship. So a strategy to help people understand is just the old planning method of what is your retirement budget? Then we just make sure you have the cash flow whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we can use some guaranteed sources, guaranteed sources of income, kind of like a self-funded pension. You know, you'll take your budget, you'll take semi-annual expenses, insurance, taxes, um, occasions like Christmas and holidays and birthdays, and of course, those those fun things you like to do called vacation or recreation. You annualize it, basically take the total annual cost divided by 12, add it to your other monthly bills, and you get a monthly target there of what it takes to get by and enjoy your life too. Then we just need to make sure with the money and a reasonable rate of return over time that we can create the cash flow to meet the gap, meet the need, and get you retired, stay retired, and be happily retired for the rest of your forever. So there is a way to tackle longevity, but it is the major risk, one of the major risks.
0: Well, along with longevity, another risk that goes with it is having a long-term illness or maybe a chronic illness. And what we mean by that is that as we get older, we tend to get less healthy. Sometimes it's much less to the healthy side and a little bit more to the really unhealthy to the point of needing to be going into a nursing home. Statistically, I know there's that word again, but more than 50% of people, if you've made it to age 65, you have a likelihood of greater than 50% of at some point in time needing long-term care in your future. Now, if you're sitting around looking at each other, husband and wife, it's like, sorry, honey, I'll come visit you. And the other one's like, nope, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. And let's look at the cost. So these are the average monthly cost of a skilled nursing facility. Right now, that's $8,000 a month. And that equates to $96,000 a year. Keep this in mind. That's for a semi-private room. So congratulations, you're going to have a roommate for those $96,000 that someone's going to be spending on that long-term care stay. And the average length is, if you're a guy, it's 1.5 years. Men don't do well in general in nursing homes. That's why you know it's it's a much shorter lifespan than women. Three years is the average length for women. It's, there's a phrase, the industry phrase is that lead, the ladies tend to linger. It almost becomes like a social club setting for them, it, it seems like. So the cost, if you add this up over three years' time, you could easily surpass $300,000 for a nursing home stay. And remember this, we're talking about those are today's prices. And- with the current rate of inflation, what you might call the medical rate of inflation, trending between five and ten percent, in five or ten years, these costs are looking like, well, add twenty-five to fifty percent to that three hundred thousand, it could be more like four hundred or four fifty. Greg, certainly. any thoughts?
1: Yes. We need to have a discussion about it, bottom line. We need to address this and see where you stand. Do you need insurance? Do you have insurance? Do you need different insurance? Do you just need a plan? Do you need an agreement amongst the family to take care of each other, friends to the end, children, grandchildren uh, chip in and keep the estate together, or you're just going to tell them all that if they don't take care of you, someone else will, and they'll get paid well for it, and it'll take the rest of the estate and cut everyone else out. Whatever adult conversation you need to have, but we do need to have a plan for it, and there are some options there. Another aspect of health care is health care itself, cost of health insurance, cost of of, uh, obtaining medical care. Um so, for example, if your're age, say 61 and you're not old enough for retirement age at 65 for Medicare, Medicare kicks in at 65 currently have four years of a gap. What are you going to do? Uh, self-fund the insurance, pay out of pocket, get something from the health care market place? Or are you going to maybe use some Cobra for a while? Are you going to use a spouse's benefit while they continue to work? Is there a retirement health care benefit from where you do work all things to be considered because it can be a costly addition for the years that you retired earlier on a monthly basis. You could be dealing with them um, anywhere from 600 to a thousand a month. You could be dealing with upwards of the 1400 a month for a couple. So we need to make sure you're planning for that, at least for the period that you have a gap until you reach 65. And here's something else. Now let's say you have medical coverage, you have Medicare, all's good, but you know that you may spend an premium, Medicare premium, and co-pays and deductibles upwards to $295,000 from age 65 through the end of life. We need to plan for these things. There's more, though.
0: There's much more. Our phone number is 513-575-9654. Call us if we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to The Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The Talk Station.
1: Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Borth, and we are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm working for clients, not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester,
1: and Florence. Greg? So retirement risk, as we go on through them, you know, put an end cap on the last segment when it was healthcare, long-term healthcare, or just getting your general medical care needs met. Long-term care, just be aware there are programs out there the use it and lose it, you know, pay as you go. Um, Traditional long-term care, there's asset base where you put in a lump sum of money and you immediately get credit for potential uh, to be used and drawn down against long-term care benefits and also a life benefit. Meaning that you die, you your estate gets tax free money back. Probably covers the premiums. So the, you know just options, but we need to plan on these things. And then when it comes to just regular medical care, keep this in mind. You know we laid out a, a, a general stat there that nearly three hundred thousand dollars is what you might pay over the course of life in co-pays, deductibles, and premiums. And and that's a pretty real number. If you're fairly healthy, you just need to over time plan for spending some money like that. But what if you're not healthy? Will you spend more? Not necessarily. You might die sooner. So you mean it costs more to be healthy? The longer you live, the more you'll incur these costs. Just food for thoughts. And James kind of threw a tidbit in um, during the break. <laughs> One way to look at it is if you're in for $300,000 of cost for medical care over life, you know, just well care, um, what are you for long-term care? About double that. So does that mean you? we're all on track to spend between 300000 to 600000 one way or another, for healthcare. We don't know, but we need to plan for the unknown, right? Well, let's look into the, one of the next ones here emotional and irrational investor behavior. Okay, the next risk is one that is harder to identify, uh, but also could be even more difficult to control. It's the risk that you bring on yourself when you think a certain way and act a certain way and make decisions regarding your investments and in your dollars over emotion. Um, We've been studying this effect and there are many studies out there about the behavior uh, of the investor. The investor's behavior is exactly what it's called and what it does and the impact it has on financial decisions. Um, We've had many shows that focus solely on just so-called smart people out there and make bad decisions with their hard-earned money over emotionally driven decision-making processes, which is not much of a process at all. It's like just pulling a trigger. The fifth risk here in all of this, the emotional, rational behavior that will come back to haunt you is something we can manage. We can coach you through to make it simple. While there are many, many more, we'll describe two investor behaviors right now that you should be aware
0: of. Well, here's one called confirmation bias. And pretty simply, confirmation bias is that people tend to justify their decisions by asking other people what they think about those decisions. And on top of that, we tend to gravitate towards the people who agree with our own decisions anyway. So we're asking someone to just simply confirm, here's what I thought anyways. We do this or conflate this with politics. We do this with investing. So if you're asking a like-minded person, what do you think? Well, guess what? They're going to agree with you. Now, here's an example, though. If you buy a particular stock, bond, fund, someone that you confide in that doesn't agree with your decision, you might just go find someone else who does to make yourself feel better, right? And there's another uh, ism called anchoring. Anchoring, people tend to anchor their decisions or investments that they believe in or have had past success with, regardless of what that future outlook might say about that investment. Greg, any thoughts?
1: Yes, uh, we're, we're an example of this right now. We're speaking predominantly to conservatively-minded folks who live conservative, vote conservative, think conservatively, That's all good. We're conservatives too, no doubt about it. But there's a tendency for us to all become lemmings. And I can't tell you the number of meetings we have where we are dealing with nothing but anchored bias. It's a bias that suggests that uh, ESG is purely evil. Well, we're not big into that either, and we do our best to limit its, its expression in investments. But um, or the, all digital currency and conversion to digital currency by the U.S. government through the Treasury and the Federal Reserve is it's just it's atrocious and it's sinister, well, that's just not necessarily true. There's always the other side, but you get a group think going, everyone gets all frothy and stirred. It's extremely biased and hurtful to who, you and the group. Um, gosh, another one. all banks are systemically failing and and um
0: James? that's just not true and And here's a reminder too about politics, being conservative, investments, being conservative. that doesn't mean the same thing. So if you are conservative in your politics. That doesn't mean you have to be conservative in your investing decisions. You know, yeah. this is this is where your tolerance, your appetite, your ability to handle market risk can be very different from husband to wife. It's it is very individualistic, and sometimes what we feel needs to be discussed as far as how we let that dictate and control our emotion our, in our investment decisions.
1: Absolutely. End of the day, dogma is not good. Doesn't matter if it's left, right, or middle. It is wrong. Um, losing money safely. There's one for you. What? Well, because interest rates are making it hard to make a decent amount of money on vehicles. Some people still opt for safety because they're conservative and fearful and frightful. And so they'll put money in a hole and, or leave it. Um, well now taking it out of banks and leaving it mothballed or putting it in banks, getting some kind of interest rate that on it compared to something else is, is anemic and, and less than sufficient. And compared to inflation itself, It's a safe way to lose money. How do you mean? Well, if you're getting three or four percent and inflation's running north of five, um you're losing two percent annually safely. Just a quick example, right? What if you're losing three or four percent? Four percent on a on a dollar is four cents. So year two, what do you have? A dollar still safe from the market, right? Didn't go down. No, you have ninety-six cents purchase power because at the end of the day, it's all about what you can buy with your money. That's how money is valued, even with the dollars. More valuable, less valuable. Oh, that's the other thing. Hearing a lot about people worried about a group of countries getting together to toss the dollar overboard and um, all that. Yeah, just not. It's, it's more leverage. It's, polit- it's politicized. It's just trying to get something from the U.S. The fact that the world wants a less highly valued dollar, that, that's a fact. Is that a bad thing? No. Do you know what? A lower valued dollar, not a ripping, roaring, high valued dollar, is better for our exports. A high dollar makes our stuff too expensive in other countries. And yet we're always complaining about trade deficits that we can't sell our stuff to enough other people. Well, it's because they can't afford it. And they want to because they like the quality of American products. There's always the other side. Do not drink a cup of dogma. Mm. It will poison you every time. And you'll become as bad as the people you say you don't care much for.
0: Don't drink the Kool-Aid.
1: Yeah, don't don't drink. Yeah, don't. The JJ Kool-Aid. No, no, no. So there are some good Products out there, they're fully insured. We mentioned earlier some of the fixed annuities, which are CD type annuities. There's a specific term and in interest rate, all the things that kind of move and feel like a CD, but they're not. They're issued by an insurance company based on the claims payability of the insurance company, which are deemed solvent and have real assets backing their um, their promises. There's that's something refreshing and pretty competitive rates too. Don't lose money safely. There's a the bottom line. Keep money in motion. We have a lot of opportunities for you.
0: Well, part of losing money safely too goes into the cost of liquidity. If you keep your money liquid at all times, there's a trade off to that. And usually that means you have a lower rate of return when you come to the realm of what we call, I'd say, safe money or interest rate types of investment vehicles. So that means CDs, if you go with, say, three or six month CD or the same with an annuity the cost of liquidity is that you get a lower rate of interest. Or if you just simply keep it in your checking account, again, a lower rate of interest. Now, the next one, sequence of returns risk. And I'd say it can be a very important and also a very dangerous thing. And that's where you're faced with maybe negative rates in the first couple of years when you've retired. And now you're you're starting to draw money or withdrawals out of your investment accounts. So you have two different things that are being negative at the same time. The market is going down, so therefore your accounts are losing value. You're also withdrawing money at a time when the market is losing value. So now there's double downward pressure on that portfolio. And yes, markets do cycle. That does happen from time to time. And you can control at least somewhat when you choose to retire. What you can control is what the market does on that timeline. So that's the sequence of returns risk is that what happens when you retire or at the time that you retire and the markets are also losing value. Greg? Yes,
1: that uh, sequence return can be nasty stuff, but if you can have some of your investments that do not go backwards, you can retain your gains, protect the downside and keep rolling with other investments more long-term being more liquid and at higher risk to hedge, meet and exceed inflation over long periods of time. So, you know, it's just staging, it's preparing. What do you know? It's planning. So the moral of the story is make sure your risk tolerance is always aligned with your retirements and the products and services and investments you use align with your actual outcome goals and objectives too. And that's what will help you do.
0: There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. Now, on behalf of Greg, myself, James, we want to thank you for listening today. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you.